0: And welcome into another episode of Running for the Roses, talking all things college football. I'm Ryan Baff, Lucas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Patrick Wagner has the week off from the pod. He's uh, doing some work in the real world, so we wish him the best in that. And uh, he sent us his picks, so we'll, we'll get to those at the end of the pod, along with ours. But uh, Lucas, my friend, you were in Wisconsin this weekend. Tell us about uh, your weekend and your thoughts on the, uh, the college football slate.
1: Yeah, well, uh, saw snow for the first time since February, so it's definitely starting to become winter um, up in the great state of Wisconsin. But overall, good. Spent Saturday watching uh, most of the games uh, with some family. Ate some chili for the first time this season, so definitely got me in the football mood. Uh, nothing too surprising from this weekend. I think the biggest news was uh, kind of off the field, uh, which we'll get to. But overall, good. How was your weekend, Ryan?
0: Well, it was good. It was, it was 86 degrees in Phoenix, <laughs> so not really chilly weather, not really uh, snow weather, uh, if I just do so myself. Um, it was good. Had the, uh had my first Saturday off in a couple weeks, so just nice. enjoyed myself, watched a lot of college football in front of the TV, and uh, was a nice relaxing weekend. So let's jump into it, and, and kind of as you teased, we're going to start with the off-the-field stuff. You and I both love the coaching carousel, the coaching rumors, and... It is spinning faster and earlier than I can ever remember, Lucas. I believe we have 12 openings across college football and some big ones, obviously, you know, LSU, USC were a while ago, TCU, Washington, and Virginia Tech follow suit. We have five major jobs opening. Let's focus on, on, on Virginia Tech and Washington as, as those were the two most recent ones. Um, I guess, first of all, Lucas, just your overall thoughts on Virginia Tech pulling the plug on Justin Fuente and then Washington firing Jimmy Lake.
1: Yeah, I think with uh, with Fuente, I don't think either one of us were shocked. Um, a lot of us were surprised even last year when they decided to retain him for at least one more season. I think the timing, um, obviously the big thing was his buyout. I believe at the beginning of December, it went from $10 million to seven and a half. Um, obviously, they didn't want to wait this long. This was a really disappointing season overall. Um, it just felt like both sides were just kind of needed a new, fresh start. Um, so, no surprise there. That the Jimmy Lake thing—I mean, the guy—I think he only coached what thirteen games for Washington yep. with the shortened season last year. I mean, this this seemed like a no-brainer when it happened. You know, Chris Peterson, when he stepped down, uh, really put his foot down that he wanted Jimmy Lake to have that that job um and obviously was their best recruiter um however i remember i read in the athletic this weekend i mean everything just behind the scenes was just kind of a mess yeah. there when it came to organization when it came to recruiting to just how he was even handling his players uh, apparently last week wasn't the first time um he had struck a player um off the field so yeah um but both very very good jobs uh, to open i mean what are your kind of your thoughts on that
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I look at the Jimmy Lake situation. It was such a, a quick, um, it was such a quick move. I mean, it, I, I don't, I think there were some, you know, there were some whispers, maybe he's not the guy, Um, but certainly after 13 games, I mean, it's, it's gotta be up there in terms of fewest games coached at, at the power five level. I know Florida state moved on from Willie Taggart after about a year and a half, but I mean, your, your first year, you had four games and it was a COVID stricken year Um, and your second year. And listen, Going out, losing to uh, Montana, not good. Um, not really being competitive in the North, not good. And then the final straw, you know, what happened on the sidelines against Oregon was unacceptable, obviously. Um, so, you know, Jimmy Lake's future will be interesting. I think a lot of people have already kind of circulated his name for some big time D.C. jobs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, is, is he tainted a little bit? Do you wait a year off? Like, it's going to be interesting to see. And, and like we'll talk about in a second, I think that job is very desirable. I mean, Mm -hmm. great city, good conference. Uh, Chris Peterson had that team in the playoff. They put a lot of guys in the NFL over the last five or six years. So I think that is a very desirable job. Um, And we'll kind of get to some candidates here in a second. And then on Justin Fuente, I mean, like you said, this was something that we saw coming. I mean, very rarely does a coach turn it around. Usually when you're on the hot seat, like Gus Malzahn is the example that comes to mind. Like he's always on the hot seat. Eventually it just got too hot and he was gone. Justin Fuente, just very hard. And I and I was reading an article just before we kind of started the pod and what went wrong. And basically it came down to poor recruiting, poor staff hires, a lot of transfers, poor roster management, just kind of all of the CEO type things that you want from your head coach just did not go well for him. And I think he was in a in a, a, a tough spot following Frank Beamer, following a legend and mm-hmm. it's a situation that I think comes up with the Alabama, like who follows Nick Saban or, you know, who follows Dabo at Clemson. Like you never, it's tough to be the guy that follows the guy. And I yeah. think he kind of had some success early on, won 19 games, I think in his first two years, ACC coach of the year, won the coastal, but just kind of fell down and, and uh, never, um, never really got back. Un- unfortunately. So, well, um, let, let's, let's, um, let's let's talk some candidates here for these jobs and and what we're going to do eventually is we're going we're going to pick the five major jobs and and put a coach in 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 each spot but Lucas for Wash for uh Virginia Tech here who who are some names that you that you kind of think could make some sense
1: so i think i i have a couple that kind of make some sense we kind of talked a little bit about them before the pod i think we're going to be sharing one of them but i think Maybe the obvious one for both of us because we're obviously a huge fan of him as a coach, and that's that's Dave Clawson uh, from Wake Forest. Um, I mean, could we see maybe the potential reigning ACC champ lose their head coach to another team in their conference? Yeah, that, that, that could <laughs> very much happen. Um, but I think just, I mean, the issue with Virginia Tech, even going to Frank Beamer's last year's, what has been was offense. And you thought Justin Fuente with the big offensive background would change that around at Justin has, it just hasn't been the case. Um, especially the turnover at quarterback, like you had, um, and it doesn't look good that Hendon Hooker left you uh, with his last year of eligibility and has played amazingly at Tennessee. Um, but I think he would be a really nice fit. And then also, I think, Another guy, another offensive guy, um, their AD had said that they want to go offensive-minded for their next head coach, and I think it would be Billy Napier um, out of Louisiana. I think he's waited um, patiently to get a premier Power 5 job, and I think Virginia Tech is that. I think it's one of the better jobs in the ACC. It has great history, a great fan base. Recruiting there is kind of an issue, but I think uh, Virginia Tech was a, was a program that was just fun. Um, and I think these two guys could bring a level of that back to them. What about you?
0: Yeah, I I think, I think Dave Clausen will be a home run. I mean, a a proven power five winner. The only thing Dave Clausen does is get the most out of his program, whether he's at Bowling Green, Fordham or Wake Forest. I mean, the fact that Wake Forest, um, which has a student enrollment of like 6,000, uh, is, is nine and one and, and has the inside track to the ACC title is, is insane to me. Um. The other couple names, so I I I think the two obvious G five coaches would be Napier and Jamie Chadwell. As far as being guys from the region, Napier from he has a I mean his name is out there almost everywhere, which to me yeah. tells me that he's ready to leave. There were reports last year he had turned down Auburn, turned down South Carolina, in hopes of maybe getting LSU, and it looks like he's not going to get LSU, and and we'll get to the Tigers here in a few. I I think that Napier is ready to make the jump, whether that's TCU or Virginia Tech. My guess is he gets one of those two jobs. Uh, Jamie Chadwell, same thing. Innovative offense. uh, you know, Successful G5 coach, just like Napier. The two names I thought were interesting, and I can't take credit for them. I heard them on the Cover 3 podcast this morning. One of them was Shane Beamer, the head coach of South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the name sounds familiar. His dad, Frank. uh, Shane was a former assistant coach at Virginia Tech, grew up around that program, doing pretty nice at South Carolina. They're 5-5, and potentially going to get to a bowl game. Um, Would he leave for a seemingly better job in an easier conference? Mm. Maybe. Um, He has kind of come out and refuted that and said he wants to stay at South Carolina and use the term dream job, and every coach (laughs) says that. And So I thought that was an interesting name. And then perhaps the most interesting was Gary Patterson that they brought Mm. up. Um, Gary Patterson, if he wants to continue coaching at the power five level, I think the name still has, um, some prestige to it. Not as much as it did, you know, five, six years ago, but the the main reason for Gary Patterson, and this is something I kind of want to touch on before we, we move on to the other jobs is the idea that you could have somebody in right away that could, bring in that could help you recruit and and what the the trend we're seeing lucas are these schools firing coaches earlier and earlier seemingly to get a head start on recruiting we saw texas tech do this they fired matt wells they've hired a coach they hired baylor's like linebackers coach joy mcguire Mm -hmm. and i think they've gotten three commits like two in the class of 22 and one in a four star in 23 like it's seemingly worked off well and 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 we were texting about it how This is going to be a common theme now. Power five coaches will get fired earlier and earlier, and you will start seeing power five coaches or G five coaches leave their schools, particularly if their schools like doesn't have a lot to play for, like they're not in the championship race or whatever. You'll see them leave early. So I just want to kind of want to get your thoughts on that, Lucas, and where you think this is heading. And if you think this is kind of a good thing for college football and kind of what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, no, uh, I, I agree. I, I'm waiting for that first coach at a city that's currently at a program to say like at the beginning of November that they're leaving. Um, we see this like in European soccer all the time. <laughs> You'll see managers literally announce in February, uh, I actually happened, Borussia Dortmund, that's my favorite team. Their manager this year announced last year in February that he was going to be leaving his current team to join another team. And he coached the rest of the year with that current club and then in June transferred over. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to happen. The early uh, signing period just has changed everything Um, because really if you don't start your job until like December, you're pretty much starting a whole year behind Um, that first recruiting class is a wash and that hurts you for that first one or two years. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's, I mean, it's, it's going to suck, especially if you're a G5 team that might be competing for, you know, a conference title or something like that year. Um, and your coach just has a job that he cannot refuse, but I just think it's just the way that the business is going to be working. And if already we're seeing the firing happening way earlier, I, I just think it's just naturally you're going to see the hiring. Yeah. Um, come much much earlier One, what there's going to be a coach that takes the fall for it he's going to take a b- big bullet we're all probably going to shit on him for it but i just think it's i honestly think it's inevitable because we're we're also seeing it with players too with the transfer portal Yeah, guys leaving mid-season even when it really doesn't make sense for them to do it because they know if they get in early it's a better chance of them getting a roster spot where if they wait the whole season that that's not a guarantee so i think it, i think it's just inevitable
0: Yeah, I, I, I think everything you said there makes a lot of sense in terms of the coach that w- – the first coach is going to get a lot of heat for it, yeah. um, especially if it's a Power 5 coach. Something that I was thinking about when you were talking was like, I wonder if, if this time next week does Virginia Tech or TCU have a coach? Like, yeah. I, I wonder because we had talked about, or at least I had been reading about how, you know, Fuente's buyout, right? You mentioned it earlier – a lot of people thought they were going to wait until that drops to make the decision, mm-hmm. and the the my kind of the gears in my head are saying, why would you make this move if thus you have someone lined up? Maybe it is Billy Napier, maybe it is Gary Patterson, maybe it is Shane Beamer. Like I don't know, but but it would not shock me if if Virginia Tech or TCU have coaches in the next couple of weeks. Um, let's let's get to Washington here, just pulling from the Athletic Bruce Feldman list of likely candidates here. BYU's Kalani Sataki, Nevada's Jane Orville, Fresno State's Kaelin DeBoer, Cal, Cal's Justin Wilcox, Joe Moorhead, Brett Brennan from San Jose State, UCLA's Chip Kelly is a potential wild card, according to Felbin. Um, we have both talked offline. We think this is both. A, we both think this is a good job. Yeah. I said I think they can get a sitting Power Five coach. Chris Peterson had a lot of success there. They have a lot of pros in the NFL right now. That your your stadium is on, like. You stadium he was on the water. I I remember watching a, a YouTube video. It was like a day in the life of Chris Peterson that popped up on my feed. And Chris Peterson would literally take his boat into work and he would park it on the dock and then walk up <laughs> into the office.
1: Oh, it'd be amazing. So
0: like it's just it's a great spot. I think it's he's going to I think they're going to get a great pool of candidates. But, you know, this is what I was talking to you about with the ASU job is there's not a lot of home run West Coast mid-major coaches. Mhm. Like, the, you can argue the most successful mid-major coach east of Texas is uh, Brady Hoke from San yeah. Diego State. And I don't he think he's going to He was already yeah. a power five head coach. Yeah. So, like, I think this could be one of those jobs where they make a surprise hire that people don't expect. Maybe it's a Dave Clausen, Maybe it's a Jeff Hatley, Maybe it's a Dave Aranda. Maybe it's a Mike Gundy. Like, I'm just throwing names out to maybe yeah. guys. Guys that you wouldn't think would move, but they're like, you know what? This is a good spot. I can start over, like, I kind of think in my gut, this is one of those hires that's like, oh, wow, Washington got that guy.
1: Yeah. Maybe they go, hey, maybe they go after a team that can beat Texas, so if they're looking Lance to- Leifold? I'm no, 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 no. <laughs> just kidding. I would love it. I don't think he'd leave after one year, but um, no, I, I agree. And I think this, you're kind of mentioning, like, if it's an out-of-box hire, like, this could, this could be a hire that surprised me much as like Brian Harson leaving for Auburn last year really surprised yep. me. It it's really, a great was, example. really was not a candidate that I was expecting. And I think for a job like Washington, you, you probably don't particularly need a, a West coast guy out there. I think if you're a good enough job, if you get a good head coach in there, they can adapt. Um, that being said on my list, I, I actually have Jay Norvell, um, I just think they are going to go with somebody on the offensive side of the ball just because, I mean, that that's really was their Achilles heel this year. Um, and a lot of that pointed to, we talked about the reasons why Jimmy Lake got fired. I think him hiring John Donovan was also another big reason why uh, he got fired because in reading the athletic article, I mean, he fired Chris Peterson's offensive coordinator for a long time and basically said, we need to, we need to be innovative. We need like, I just, basically criticize how their offense ran and then hires a guy who most people did not like to hire and it turned out to be horrible. So I think they go with an offensive guy. Uh, Jane Orville has been, I feel like just about everywhere as a college football coach. Obviously he was at ASU before that a Nevada job. He's worked at Texas, Oklahoma. He even had a stint at Wisconsin back in the early nineties. He's actually a Madison native. Um, so I think he would be a good fit, especially he's winning, big at a place that doesn't didn't really isn't really a great job up there in reno and he developed an nfl caliber quarterback in carson strong so i think he would be a good candidate and also too because i just i i think they could pull another group of or a power five guy i just don't know who that is right now at the
0: moment so i will uh, all right so let's play our game i i sprung this on you about three minutes before we pressed record i said let's go through the the five biggest jobs open USC LSU Tech TCU Washington I said let's do predictions right now November 16th who are going to be the coaches at this school and we will we'll look back in a month and a half or however long and see who was right so let's start with Washington ITs that I I have a name that I think you will think makes sense but you wouldn't think of that name is Jonathan Smith, the head coach of Oregon State. Mm. Jonathan Smith was the Washington O.C. under Chris Peters from, from 2014 to 2017. He's been the Oregon State head coach since 2018. 2018, they went 2-10. Two and 10. 2019, they went 5-7. and seven, Almost made a bowl game. Twenty twenty two and five with the COVID year, and then this year they're six and four. They were in the driver's seat in the north, but we know that you basically last a week in the driver's seat in the north and then you (laughs) moved on. But I think so. According to Wikipedia, he makes two point four million dollars a year. Washington could probably double that. Yeah. Um, He did play at Oregon State. That's his alma mater, so I don't know. Maybe he wants to stay and finish things off. But I think if Washington comes calling, that's a job that makes a lot of sense for him geographically. He knows the, you know, knows the program very well. Being the former OC, there kind of a tie to Chris Peterson. So maybe they want to stay away from the Chris Peterson family because of the Jimmy Lake. But right now, on November sixteenth, that is my pick: Jonathan Smith. Who you got, Jay Norvell? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I I okay. I'll I'll, t- I'll go with Jay Norvell.
0: And then I'll put... Okay, uh, let's go with LSU. Probably the biggest job um, on the market right now. A lot of Jimbo smoke. Jimbo, like the fr- the frustrating thing with Jimbo is Jimbo gets mad at the reporters for asking, but Jimbo could easily say, "I'm not going to be the head coach of LSU. Stop yeah. asking me." Like that's what Mike Tomlin said. He was asked about it once, and it ended. Yeah. But Jimbo being like, "Oh, I have a great job here. I plan to be here for all like." In and, and, and even yesterday, this is just a quick tangent by me, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like even yesterday he was like, We're you know, we might have the number one class in the country. Why would I leave that? That would be crazy. He knows damn well if he leaves that recruiting class falls apart. Like, stop yes. it, Jimbo. Like, get out of here, man. He knows he'd probably get some of those five stars to LSU. So mm-hmm. Jimbo's not my pick. I'm gonna go Mel Tucker, Mrs. Michigan State. I for me, like doing the my doing some like research in this, like Mel Tucker, Jimbo Lane Kiffin and um, James Franklin were the names that kind of kept coming up, and and I think Mel Tucker, like deep SEC ties, DC under Kirby Smart, assistant under Saban at LSU, doing a great job with Michigan State. Like, I just think if LSU comes calling, like I don't know how you turn that down. Yeah, um, there the, there was the report that he had the extension on the table at Michigan State, but he hasn't signed it yet. I, I my my guess is. My guess is that he ends up leaving. I, I think James Franklin plays the game well and maybe gets more money at Penn State or gets better facilities, whatever he wants. I think Mel Tucker leaves and is a. It, to me, it's it's a pretty great hire for LSU if you get Mel Tucker. So he is he is my pick for LSU.
1: I mean, it worked out the last time they hired a head coach for Michigan State.
0: Yeah, it did Nick so, Saban,
1: <laughs> and we've all seen that Mel Tucker. Even when he says he's not going anywhere, that's not uh, not a done deal. He'll, even if he tweets <laughs> it. so
0: Boy, that's a great point. I forgot about that. That's a great uh, point.
1: I mean, good for him, though. I mean, he would be able to double his salary in, once again uh, for the second time in like three years. But I think that hire makes a lot of sense. I'm actually going with another Power Five head coach. And I don't know if this is going to happen, but I just think it would be really fun if it did. And I'm actually going to uh, say uh, Mike Gundy out of Oklahoma State, Um, especially if they cannot win the Big 12 this year, um, where it looks like, I mean, right now the Big 12 is wide open, but I think Oklahoma State so far has probably looked, at least in the last few weeks, the most impressive team. Um, But let's say they lose to Oklahoma two weeks in a row or something like that maybe he I mean he's always been a guy that's kind of looked I think just to kind of increase his value at Oklahoma State um but I think he could legitimately look at LSU and hey we talked about LSU hiring a past Michigan State head coach last time they hired an Oklahoma State head coach it also worked very well with them when they hired Les Miles so um and I think he would be a fit um in the SEC um especially with Oklahoma State getting left behind in the Big Twelve. Um, it's going to be less money and things like that for that program. But I think Mike Gundy would take them list. So I'm actually going to say Mike Gundy just as like a wild card candidate for this job.
0: That's a great call, man. That's really interesting. I've Gundy's been on my list of guys that I think everyone should call. I think the yeah. what he does at Oklahoma State. A little bit like Klaassen, just gets the most out of those rosters. I mean, Oklahoma, he's had so much success there, and I get it. They've plateaued, and they haven't made a um a playoff or a, a BCS title game with him. But I think he's just a good coach, and, and, and coaches ball well. So that's a good one. All right, let's start you off with Virginia Tech. Who do you have for Virginia Tech?
1: I am going to go. I'm actually. I'm going to go with uh, Dave Clawson or boy. I think we're probably going to have the same one. I just think it makes a lot of sense. Um, though you almost did get me by saying Jamie Chadwell. I actually completely forgot about him. I think he would be a ton of fun, um, uh, at Wake Forest. But I'm going to go with. Uh, I think Dave that he knows. I think Dave Clawson knows this is probably the peak he's going to get. Wake Forest, especially in a down ACC. I think there's longer term sustained success. I just think Virginia Tech's a much better job. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Dave Clausen for that one.
0: I would love to see Dave Clausen. I did not put Dave I put Billy Napier um mm-hmm. just because I just I just wonder if Dave Clausen would leave Wake. I, he seems like one of those guys that's like I've got it so good. I have no pressure on me. I can recruit whoever the hell I want. My I mean, I basically coach a big high school. I mean like You know, um, I can go seven and five. It's like Mark Shoops at Kentucky a little bit, right? Like you go seven and five every year. They're going to build him a statue. Like if if he wins the ACC this year, he may already be the best coach in in Wake history, like over Jim Grove. Like, so I went with Billy Napier because I think, like I said earlier, I think Napier is trying to get out. I think he's trying to get to a power five job. Um and i think he is a guy that is very highly thought of he's he's had some really good assistant coaching runs he's done well at louisiana um i think he checks a lot of boxes my one worry would be and if if, if virginia tech made this hire i hate that when schools make the same hire twice mm-hmm. and and taking the successful g5 coach from a smaller conference again feels like just it's kind of like when when texas hired sark after hiring yeah. tom hurt like like do something different, but I'm, I'm going to say that Virginia tech goes after kind of the hotshot, younger, sexier name with, uh, with Billy Napier. Um, nice. let's go to TCU next uh, to me. Like in, in, looking at this, there was, there was a couple guys that popped up. I'm, I'm going to go Sonny Dykes, um, from SMU. He, uh, like you, I mean, he doesn't have to move very far. um, bigger job like TCU is going to be a good job on whatever the big 12 looks like. It's, yeah. it's better than SMU. Um, He gets not, he gets another chance at a power five job. Um, I think for TCU, you get a younger innovative offensive mind with some, some power five coaching experience, and some really proven track record, especially in the state of Texas. Yes. So I went with Sonny Dykes for TCU.
1: Yep. That's who I went with as well um i just think it makes i just think it's an obvious choice we obviously know sonny dykes smu offered him a contract extension and he has yet to sign that as well i know there was a lot of rumors with him with texas tech obviously that was filled yeah uh for all the ma- things you mentioned just close proximity was going to be able to recruit the same area i think you could argue that tcu in the new wave of the big 12 is could arguably be the best job yeah. In that conference, just because you are in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. But yeah, I think Sonny Dykes makes a lot of sense. And like you mentioned, too, I kind of forgot that previous power five experience at Cal where he did get them to a bowl game. He wasn't awful there. Um, I think this this would just be, I think this would be a home run hire for them. to Be
0: honest. OK, last one, USC. I think this one to me is the hardest. Um, yeah. There's a name that I put in here that kind of has popped up recently, but I truly have no idea where they go at this. I could see it being an NFL guy. I could see it being, I mean, I have no idea. So I'll cede the floor to you first. Who do you have penciled in for USC?
1: Yeah, so I have a name. I don't know if this will happen. I, I'm i going to go with James Franklin. Um, And honestly, it's more just because of the last few weeks with James Franklin. And he's kind of one of those guys too. Like when they ask him about USC, he just does not, He doesn't say, like, I'm not doing USC. He just, like, talks about my only focus is on this week. I do enjoy it here. Like, I'm flattered. I just think these last few weeks have just taken a toll on him. I think last year took a toll on them as well. And I just think he sees Ohio State. And it's just like, I when that is at its peak efficiency, the way it's running, it's just an uphill battle uh, there in the Big Ten East. Meanwhile, Michigan... Uh, seems to be back to kind of where they were and I'll see you going against Michigan state. I just think, you know, in his press conferences and stuff like that, I think he's kind of looking for a way out. Maybe it's a mutual thing. Maybe Penn state's like, yeah, maybe it is a good time for you to move on. I just think he, I think he would be a perfect hire for USC just because I think he he is a little bit flashy. He's very outspoken. Like they love that out on the West coast. He's good with the media. Um, And he would be able to recruit Southern California probably better than anybody else. Um, He's a great recruiter at Penn State, and that is something USC desperately needs. Um, So I'm going to go with uh, James Franklin.
0: I've always thought he makes a lot more sense for USC than LSU because I think Penn State is very similar to a job than LSU. I mean, I think LSU is better, but like you said with Ohio State, when Alabama is going the way it's going, like you're the second best job in your division. I think Franklin knows, why would I go to LSU and be the second best job? Like I, I think USC fits him better. Regardless of what you want to say, what the better job is, I think Penn State to USC is more logical for James Franklin. I went with Dave Aranda, um, a guy that's picking up a lot of steam recently, that guy that will be in the running for LSU probably if they strike out on their big guys. But um, Dave Aranda is from Southern California. Uh, He went to high school there. um, And he's one of the hottest names in the country now. And I could see USC being trendy and wanting to get the big name and wanting to get a guy with, with some Southern California ties. And I think Dave would do a good job there. Um, mm-hmm. Defensive minded coach. Maybe they keep Graham Harrell if they, if they want to, I don't even know what the feeling there is, if they would like to keep Graham Harrell, but um, I think Aranda makes a lot of sense there. Uh, he's got championship pedigree with LSU a couple of years ago. He's, I mean, you want to talk about quick turnarounds when I mean, turnaround yeah. Baylor in an, and he could be in the big Twelve. He, he could win the big 12 this year. Mm-hmm. Which again could complicate the, you know, moving on to USC. But um, I went with Dave Miranda. Um, again, like you said, I don't have a good feel for it. I could easily see it being James Franklin. The Franklin stuff's interesting because they're six and four now. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think they have Rutgers this week. I don't know who they end with. So maybe Rutgers they Rutgers
1: and uh, Michigan State. To end the so year, so. P-
0: Potentially seven and five like that just kind of a whimper after after where they were playing Iowa a couple, you know, a month ago. Um, But that's kind of life in the Big Ten, just like it's Mm -hmm. life in the SEC. Like you're going to have stretches where in the east you play Michigan and Ohio State and Michigan State within a four four week window. And that's your season right there. Mm-hmm. um so franklin's an, is an interesting one for sure so all right that was fun so we'll, we'll see where things go we'll see where um we'll see where next week we sit with these coaches and if any job is filled and what more we have so let's move on to the uh the new bats of college football playoff rankings just released a couple hours ago here as we record on tuesday this week not much change at the top georgia one bama two oregon ohio state round out your top four Cincy, five, Michigan over Michigan State, Michigan, six, Spartan, seven, and then Notre Dame, Oklahoma State, Wake Forest round out the top 10. Lucas, I will uh, let you have the first crack at this. Um, don't you don't to say too much because the rankings haven't changed too much. But what are your what are your thoughts on this week's rankings?
1: Yeah, I think obviously the one just going back, I still to me just makes no sense why Michigan State is ahead of Michigan. Look, I I can understand why they would put Michigan ahead of Michigan State, but then why the hell is Oregon still ahead of Ohio State? Um, Because to me, if you're going off of, well, Michigan has looked better in all of its games. It was a close-fought game. And it was a game that, honestly, Michigan probably wins more times than not if it's overplayed. But to me, like, Ohio State's been a much better team since September than I think Oregon has. And they've been way more dominant, um, and they seem to have fixed a lot of their issues. So that's really the only thing. It's just kind of nitpicking, but that will work itself out, I think. One of the surprising things is how low they still have Oklahoma. They just lost their first game of the year. I thought Oklahoma still might have a shot to get in, but I mean they they're all the way thirteenth at nine and one. They have uh, a couple. They have a bunch of two lost. They have a couple two lost teams like Baylor um, is now ahead of them. Wake Forest. We had just lost for the first time a couple weeks ago to a 5-5 five and five, uh, North Carolina team. They're still ranked ahead of them. Um, so that just surprises me a bit. I am happy to see uh, UTSA, uh, Houston, um, a couple of those teams being back in the rankings. Um, and once again, the SEC West, Mississippi State, right there at number 25. A little lower than our uh, pre-podcast prediction of them being sixth. but uh, Arkansas
0: 21, too.
1: Yeah. And that's who uh, I believe Bama plays Arkansas this week. Um, so pumping up those uh, those Bama wins as best as they can, so that they can put a two loss Bama in. But um, otherwise, not too uh, not too shocking. We I am looking forward to this weekend because we should see some movement, obviously with Ohio State and Michigan State. One of those two teams is going to have to lower because we're going to have a two loss Big Ten East team after this. What about you?
0: So I mean, yeah, it's it's. The one that really stuck out was so Gary Barta had this quote that you sent us in our group chat and it's set aside watching the games comma, though they're certainly though that's certainly part of it. But statistically, in just about every category, offensively and defensively, Michigan comes out on top over Michigan State. I don't envy the committee for decisions like this because I and I think you brought up a good point with the whole Oregon, Ohio State thing, right, where Oregon went to Ohio State and won mm-hmm. in September. But yeah. the way the teams are trending and the way the teams are playing, Oregon's getting worse and Ohio State's getting better. Yeah. Now, I think eventually this stuff sorts itself out. Like, I think Oregon probably loses this week uh, to Utah, or maybe they lose next week in the battle, uh, uh, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. But, like, Michigan beat, or Michigan State beat Michigan. And yeah. and are we just supposed to say the games don't exist? Like, what happens if 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 Alabama beats Georgia in the in the SEC title game? Are they going to still rank Georgia ahead of Alabama because well statistically Georgia beats Alabama? Like it's just kind of a weird slippery slope to just come out and say the games don't matter. Yeah. Um, that being said, like the one question I have that I think is is interesting, I, I did notice the Oklahoma drop. The the fact that they're three behind Wake Forest is kind of interesting. Although Wake. Does have a win over a, a top twenty team in NC State now, so I think yeah. that does boost the resume. Where does if Ohio State beats Michigan State and they let's say they beat them by like seventeen points, uh, do they go up to two? Like, do they jump Alabama and Oregon? Do they just jump Oregon? As I think, I think if they win, they jump Oregon regardless. Yeah, but do they? I mean, I guess Alabama would have played Arkansas, but like. That's a great win for Ohio State. I I I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of curious of like, where does Ohio State go after this week, assuming they win?
1: Well, what what would be funny is because I was just about to say it might depend what Oregon does this weekend. If Oregon goes on the road uh, and beats a pretty good Utah team, um, and then Ohio State wins. Does Ohio State jump both? And then they jump Alabama because, well, their best loss or their only loss was to a top four team in Oregon, but yet rank Oregon <laughs> below them.
0: Yeah, now we're now we're starting to do like the Charlie Day meme of him on the yeah, you know, him with the on the poster
1: board. So it wouldn't shock just because if, if Ohio State beats Michigan State, that's a better win than what Alabama currently has, which I believe is Mississippi. Would be is I think is still their best win on their calendar, yeah. and then they would have technically another top twenty-five win with Mississippi State, um, and then uh, potentially Arkansas this weekend. Um, but I would say so. Um, I think they should jump up to two, depending on how they win that game. But like we said, as long as you're in that top four going into the final weekend, it's really all you want. I think the one thing that I really like is that Cincinnati's still at number five. Um, I've been really surprised that neither Michigan or Michigan State has passed them. Uh this past week just Cincinnati just hasn't looked superly impressive the last, really the last month. Um but otherwise, I mean not too crazy. It's I think uh, I think the funny thing we've been mentioning it is you know the top five to seven we really haven't cared that much about. It's been more the the teams that the committee tries to sneak in to either uh boost other teams' resumes um, or just kind of throws them in there for, for no apparent reason.
0: Um, and I do think, like, these four teams control their own destiny, yeah. right? Obviously, if they all win out. And I even think if Alabama's sitting there at two, like, I truly think a two-loss Alabama gets in over Cincinnati at, at this point. I think that's why the committee has them at two, especially if they're able to beat Arkansas this week, another ranked win, and then beat Auburn, who will probably be eight and four, or, you know, whatever it is, seven and five. Um, <laughs>
1: They'll... All- They'll beat Auburn by three, and then Auburn will be jumping to the top 25. After. <laughs> Auburn
0: will go to 24, yeah. That's a, that's a <laughs> good point. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, we'll see what happens with uh, with that. Some big matchups coming up, but let, let's let take a, a quick look back at um, this past week. And, and Lucas, I'll, I'll let you kind of take it wherever you want to go. But first, I I think that the two biggest talking points on the field – were two programs that are in just complete disarray, and that's Texas and Florida. Yeah. I mean, two two big brands. Texas loses to Kansas in overtime on a two-point conversion, caught by a walk-on playing his first off. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Walk-on playing his first offensive snap. Florida gives up 42 in the first half to an under 500 FCS team. Yes. Um, ends up winning, but they give up 52 to Samford. Um, somebody on Twitter said, man, really nice of Stanford to not look ahead past Florida to the next <laughs> during the first half. So, Lucas, oh, let, let's if 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 you're OK with it, let's just yeah. chat about Texas for a second or or Florida. I mean, it has gone so bad for Steve Sarkeesian there. They've lost five straight. They were. Do you remember, Lucas, back? I'm just going to take you to a time six weeks ago when Texas was up. They were four and one and they were yeah. up, what, 38 to Seven or
1: 38 to 20, I think, 38 to 20 in the second
0: half against Oklahoma, and the wheels have just fallen off. And then with Dan Mullen, like that team just looks completely checked out, they look disinterested in playing football. Yeah, um, and I think the overall consensus is Mullen is not going to get fired, but if they lose to Florida State in the last weekend of the season and don't make a bowl game, it's it could be very bad. So, Texas, Florida, just your your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I think with Texas, one shout out to Kansas for uh I think it was their first conference road win. Hey, you know this right since like 2008? Yeah. It, it was like, like 56
0: straight games they had lost on the road, oh which seems insane to me.
1: Insane, yes. For a Power 5 road. you think you would win one game on the road, but it was also their first win ever in Austin. They had never beaten Texas in Texas. Um so good to curious to them, but yeah, like you were just talking just six weeks ago. We were talking about them like, oh my gosh, after that terrible loss to, or that brutal loss to Arkansas, looked like they were riding ship. Casey Thompson, uh, B. John Robinson looked like they were leading one of the better one of the nation's better offenses. And they've just imploded since that Oklahoma. And it was like after that, they're just like, Yep, that's it. And you're hearing there's some divisions in the locker room between the guys that played under Herman versus Sarkeesian, who's kind of trying to build this up like it is Bama, and some guys just aren't getting on board. Uh, but now they're they're in trouble of not even making a bowl game this year, uh, which is just crazy. And you lose to a Kansas team that had just lost the previous week, I think 55-3 to to Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not good. They're not going to fire Sark after one year, um, but he's definitely got his work cut out for him. Um, and it's making Tom Herman, I think look a little bit better because he went seven and three with basically the same roster. Um, no.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just going to say like, at some point you have to look a little bit at yourself as an institution and be like, Hey, our last three coaches that have come from different backgrounds and different experiences, And different colors have all failed i mean charlie strong failed tom herman failed and I, i i shouldn't put steve sarkeesian in that boat yet i mean six and six five and seven not ideal considering they had a lot of i mean a lot of talent coming back on that roster like herman recruited pretty well well yes the 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 general consensus wasn't about recruiting like the issues were player development discipline like coaching decisions in game um and you know, Sarkeesians had to juggle quarterbacks, the, the defense has been really bad. Bijan Robinson I just saw his offer of the year, like with like an injury, they're kind of basically shutting him down. Um it's 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 not good. And they're probably not gonna make a bowl game because they're best players out for the season. And I don't I don't think they win one of their last two games or they win both of their last two games. Yeah. Um you know, the the Florida thing, I, I think I don't know how it gets this bad for Dan Mullen. Like I truly don't I, I get I kind of compare Florida to Clemson because Clemson had national title aspirations at the start of the season that went out the window in the first month of the season, but that team hasn't quit and they're in a yeah. position. Now they have a big game this week against wake forest to play for an ACC title. And they're still in, they're still seemingly in it. Right. And like, even like Arizona state or like, there are teams that are seemingly like out of what they thought they were going to be that are still playing hard Florida just is, is, is done, man. I mean, yeah. losing, getting, blown out by South Carolina on the road, giving up what you gave up to Samford. I mean compare that to what Florida State's done with Mike Norvell, like where they lose to Jacksonville State week three and they're getting better every every week and like playing pretty good football. So it's been bad. Um Mullen really needs a a he needs a, a decent finish to the year. And like they're not getting any closer to Georgia man. In recruiting or on the field, like they're 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 just not, which is crazy. Like imagine telling a Florida fan in January of 2021 that they're Dan Mullen's gonna be on the hot seat this year. Yeah, I mean it's crazy, but like that's kind of where we're at. We're in a situation where Ed Orgeron's fired two years after winning a national championship. Yep. And Dan Mullen won the SEC East last year, and oh by the way, had to replace Kyle Trask, Kadarius Tony, and Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. and he's on the hot seat. So, but it's 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 how you lose at some point, right? Like yeah. you can't just, you can't have your team quit on you.
1: Well, and, and you mentioned with like recruiting and stuff. Well, I mean, Florida's not recruiting well in a time when both Miami and Florida state are not in great shape right now. Obviously Florida state's improving, but like you should be dominating the state of Florida right now. And it's just, it's just not happening and, and giving up 52 points to Samford I almost joked that like, Oh well, this would be a big one for Sanford towards their bowl eligibility. Um, but uh, <laughs> fortunately that that's not the case. But um,
0: They actually have a, a decent playoff in the FC. Play- yeah. So like, <laughs> they have a twenty fourteen playoff, what a fucking concept. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the crazy thing again, as a, a side tangent that like people are like, How can you do the playoff? Like you can't have twenty four teams. like uh hello this
1: does it. they played does. at FCS. Yeah. FCS, D2, D3. They play a 24 team player. Yes. They have automatic. Everyone gets an automatic buy for winning their conference. Like, it's crazy. Things that make sense. Yeah. Just
0: things that make sense. Ugh. It's, yeah. All right. (laughs) We're Um, we're um,
1: discussing whether or not four is enough. Yes. 133,
0: 130 teams.
1: It's,
0: it's, 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 uh, it's, okay. No. Can't talk about it. Can't do it right now. Can't do it.
1: Yeah, let's, um, let's, let's move out. Any games specifically that stood out to you this past week.
0: Yeah. Um, Texas A&M continues to just be an enigma. Like imagine telling Jimbo, like, you're going to sweep the Alabama schools, but get swept by the Mississippi schools. <laughs> and by the way, LSU's four and six. Like the, the, the everything's set up for A&M this year, man. Now, yeah. granted, they lost Haynes King. Calzada has been up and down. Um, but I mean, they're not, I just can't imagine they're thrilled with the circumstances considering they beat Alabama, yeah. and this is where they're at. And, and, and LSU is this bad, and Auburn has a first-year coach.
1: yeah. And
0: Arkansas faded down the stretch after you lost to them. Like ah, That, That to me, kind of stands out. Um, Oklahoma just got, got finally. They've been playing with fire. I mean, that situation there is interesting. They go back to Rattler. He's not very good. Dave Aranda like just owns Lincoln Riley. Like mm-hmm. they just he plays really well against Lincoln Riley. Ohio State's getting right against Purdue. They blow them out. Um Tennessee was a little frisky against Georgia. That caught my eye a little bit, but that's really it. Our fighting Dave Clausen's got another wild, crazy win against NC State. So yep. just normal stuff there. But anything <laughs> uh anything I mentioned that you wanted to build on or anything that you uh you thought caught your eye before before we move on
1: yeah i think uh michigan getting a big road win uh against penn state i believe before the year jim harbaugh i think was like oh 13 as a road dog uh since he took over at michigan he's now won twice as a road dog this year i believe they were were they a slight yeah they were a slight underdog i believe against penn state and they also won early they were slight against yeah. wisconsin um you know it looked bleak penn state got a late field goal and then michigan just hit a huge play Uh, towards the end of regulation. Um, It's really just setting up for them in Ohio State, I think, right now to be there to decide who's going to be playing in Indy. Um, Notre Dame continues to kind of go under the radar. Um, An easy win with no Brennan Armstrong at Virginia. They win easily 28-3. to I believe they're now up to eight in the college football uh, playoff standings. The FPI, or the All-State Playoff Indicator by ESPN, actually gives them a 60% chance. making it um that would be if they made it again i mean i don't think this team is anywhere as good as last year's team was their schedule just has really really was set up very nicely for them um i still don't think they would get in over cincinnati but them uh utah uh continues to roll even though they did have to they really really had to fight for that win against u of a this past week yeah um how about again,
0: like that's another team that hasn't quit. Like Judge yeah. Fish, like they got a big win against Cal last week and then playing well against Utah. Like so some teams haven't quit, so good for them.
1: Yeah, uh, completely agree. Really excited to see that game this week with them against Oregon. Potential Big 12 or Pac 12 championship preview. Um, ASU getting a big win for you guys on the road at Washington, basically putting the nail in the coffin for Jimmy Lake, even though he didn't even coach in that game. As an
0: aside, I continue to have zero feel for this ASU football team. (laughs) I mean, Lucas, they are on the road against a team that had their head coach suspended and a new offensive coordinator, and they fall down 14-0 and just look lifeless. Yeah, We had a college buddy, Danny, at the game. He texted our group chat and said, it's 45 degrees. I'm soaking wet. I'm miserable. What the hell am I doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Like. And that's how I felt watching the game. You're like, what are we really going to lose to Washington? And like, listen, as somebody that needs ASU to lose one more game to, to cast their, their under eight and a half, like maybe I am rooting for it. Maybe I'm not like, I'm not going to confirm or deny, but yeah, yeah, I just have, I have no idea. Like we'll, 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 uh, we'll talk about ASU um, a little bit later because they're going to Oregon state. Like that's a game that every ASU fan circled and said, yep, that's a loss in November Corvallis. Nope. It's a loss. I have, I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea how this team. So basically, they need um, they need Utah to lose out, and they need to win out to win the division. Yeah, Utah's got Oregon, and at Colorado, ASU has at Oregon State, and and home against Arizona. So it's it's plausible, but it's it's unlikely at this point.
1: Yeah. No, that's it's just interesting. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. Just that job. Like, if they were to win out, if you're nine and three, is that still good enough with everything? We still don't know what the sanctions. Potentially are looking like with the off the field stuff, but if that's good enough to to keep Herm Herm Edwards, but
0: I'm I'm reading between the lines here just quickly with how bad the recruiting class is, I'm I'm guessing it's it's already been decided at this point. Like that's what yeah. it kind of it's what it like they haven't gotten a recruit in like since August. I think they have three or four players in the recruiting class. It feels like with the assistant still suspended, with the fact that you're probably not going to win the South it feels like the decision's been made and they're just kind of as a courtesy to Herm letting him finish the year out and then he'll eventually retire or step down or whatever it is. That, that would be my guess on November 16th.
1: Yeah. So I I could see it being a retirement kind of step aside type of thing. Um, Just with his age and everything like that, but certainly going to be interesting to see going towards the end of the year. Um, last game that I will hit on San Diego State. Nice win. Um, I believe they were playing. Uh, who was it? I was up actually watching this game because I had San Diego State minus two and a half. They were playing Nevada. Um, brutal cover. Bad beat for me. I had San Diego State <laughs> minus two and a half. But I mean, whether it's pretty or whatever, Brady Hoke just wins in San Diego. Um, and Matariza is so much fun to watch as a punter. I think that's the first time I've ever said that about a punter. Um,
0: that's your boy, isn't it? That's your boy right there.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, but I guess moving aside, uh, looking forward um, to this week, obviously, with uh, the new playoff rankings coming out, I think this week's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so this is big, the uh, pivotal matchups.
0: This is the it's weird, it's kind of the annual bye week in the SEC um where you've got like georgia's playing charleston southern mississippi state's playing tennessee state um missouri plays florida like that's a buy for missouri like you know (laughs) um but yeah so the big one in the the big 10 to really sew up the uh division race would be ohio state versus uh, michigan state um other than that, I think Wake Forest plays an interesting game at Clemson. I think Wake, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, can lock up the Atlantic with a win. Mm-hmm. And what a what a situation that would be for Dave Clason to go into Clemson and beat them to win the division. That would be awesome. Although Wake is a slight dog in that game. Um, Wisconsin plays Nebraska. Nebraska is going to lose by three points. We already know that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> USC plays UCLA. Um, ASU at Oregon state. And then obviously I think Alabama, Arkansas is, uh, the other kind of big one, but let's Lucas, you want to just touch on Michigan state, Ohio state.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be a really fun game. Um, obviously back in the shoe, I really don't. Cause to me watching last week, I mean, Ohio state did whatever the hell they wanted to, to Purdue. I think they scored touchdowns on their first seven possessions, um, that being said, Purdue also put up points on Ohio State's defense. I think Ohio State's defense has been vulnerable all year. It looked like it had been improving, but I'm interested to see what Peyton Thorne, Kenneth Walker, uh, and that group of wide receivers do against Michigan State. I think that will be the biggest test. Um, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. Like I think this is going to be a very anti-Big Ten stereotypical game. Uh, because both of these offenses or defenses like to give up big plays through the air. And I think both of the quarterbacks and the receivers uh, are more than capable of doing big plays on both sides. So uh, it could be just who scores last, um, even though I think Ohio State is a 18 and a half uh, point favorite right now. Um, but no, 19 and a half. 19 and a half. I don't think Michigan State's going to pull up the upset, but I do think it, it will be closer than that score just because, um, I mean, we've seen what Kenneth Walker did to Michigan. It wouldn't surprise me if he went off again against, against this Ohio state defense.
0: And I think that's the question, right? I, I think clearly the Ohio state passing game has found its, its stride and CJ Stroud and Garrett Wilson and those receivers, Chris Olave, are so damn good. Yeah. And Michigan state's gotten burned on that. I mean, they got, they got torched by Purdue, mm-hmm. Michigan beat him for some big plays down the field in in, in that game. And so if you're Michigan State, like your key is is contain the big play. And I, I do think like you you almost have to treat this like a, a conventional Big Ten game, like chew the clock with Kenneth Walker. No one has been able to stop Kenneth Walker. I think no. at this point he's probably the odds on favor for the Heisman, him and uh, Price Young. Um certainly he'll he'll be in New York City for the ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I and I think trying to get big plays like these are two big play offenses like Michigan State gets a lot of big plays, whether it's from Kenneth Walker or Jalen Naylor in the passing game. Like I agree with your point that this will be a pretty high scoring game Um, like spoiler alert. I don't think Michigan State loses by more than 20. So I like Mm -hmm. I, I think this is a anywhere from a 10 to 17 point win for Ohio State. Maybe they score a late touchdown to get from 10 to 17 or something because if it if if Ohio State blows the doors off Michigan State then like everything that I've been thinking about Michigan State has been wrong like I think this yeah. is a good team mm-hmm. and and Michigan State like you're in position to go to the Rose Bowl right like if if Ohio State makes a college football playoff like you may go to the Rose Bowl so still a lot to play for so I think Ohio State wins this game but I think it's like a 41 like 4131 like 42 31 38 27 kind of a game
1: yeah I think uh, the biggest thing, I think, the the only way you might you might be able to stop Ohio State, and this could be a big factor, is if you turn the ball over. Um, that happened to Purdue. Um, Purdue was able to score with relatively ease against the defense, but they had two killer turnovers in the first half of that game. Uh, they had a uh, muffed uh, muffed handoff, um, and Ohio State scored two plays later to go up uh, fourteen to seven or twenty one to seven. And then they also had a, I believe, a kick return fumble. And Ohio State scored right away, I think, to go up 35-14. So, uh, yeah, you just cannot turn the ball over if you're Michigan State, which they did not do a great job against Purdue in that category. So very interested to see that one. Um, I think going – we are talking about the Big Ten. I think out in the Pac-12, yep. we mentioned, Ryan, with uh, with Oregon and Utah State. What's kind of your feel for, for that game?
0: You know, Oregon's a team that I don't think has been playing great football recently. I don't think that's a secret. Um, I don't know if, if you could say they've peaked with the winner against Ohio State, but clearly they're not firing on all cylinders. Um, you know, this is a chance for Utah to get them. Utah, by the way, is a three and a half point favorite in this mm-hmm. game. Very, not strange, but it's it's weird to see a, uh, it's weird to see a, the number three team in the country with a plus sign next to the number. Um, but I think it's it's smart because I I do think Utah wins this game. And I think the the joke in the in the Pac-Twelve is that these two teams will split. That that Utah wins this game, knocks Oregon out of the playoff, and then Oregon wins the Pac-12 title game and goes to the Rose Bowl, which probably is gonna happen. Like, let's be honest. Um, I love the fact this is a, an 830 game on ABC, like it's good national exposure. Rice Eccles will be Obi going crazy. That's a yeah. great place to watch a game. Great venue for college football. Um Utah has been scoring a lot of points. I, I, I don't I don't take too much out of the Arizona game because I think it was a classic look ahead for Utah. Um, but I, I think if I if I had to bet, I would say Utah gets them. I think it's a three to six point game, but um certainly uh the biggest game in the Pac twelve this year. I mean yeah. it's, it, it sucks that Utah's only ranked 23 and not in the top 15 or, or you know, top 20, but mm-hmm. um, it's going to be a really good one. I think two physical teams, two teams that want to run the ball, two teams that want to control line of scrimmage. And we'll see if Kyle Winningham can get a big, big conference win.
1: Yeah. Uh, I also think that would be very PAC 12. If uh, Utah won this to knock Oregon, only for Oregon to beat them in the PAC 12 championship game. Um Yeah, I think another under the – we mentioned kind of Wake being able to pretty much clinch uh, uh, the Atlantic Division um, against Clemson this week. Pitt has the same opportunity this week against UVA uh, to clinch the Coastal. Um, UVA, uh, still unsure if Brennan Armstrong is going to be playing in that game. Uh, But Pitt with Kenny Pickett, Kenny Heisman, uh, that could potentially come back up if they win this week. Um, I believe Pitt, Pitt will clinch. Um, the AC coastal with the win. Um, looking at their Arkansas, Bama, does Arkansas have a shot?
0: (laughs) I don't think so. Personally. I I, I, I think for some of these teams, like you get so dragged down by that schedule. I mean, if you're Arkansas and you're, you're playing Ole Miss in a crazy game, you're playing, I mean, at LSU in overtime, an emotional win on the road. Like, how about this for the Arkansas schedulers? Like, Oh, like, you played at at LSU last week. Or you're going to play at Bama this week. Like that's kind of crazy to me. Uh, the line is like 21 and a half. Like, I think that's a great line, but I think Bama covers. Um, I, I just think I, I don't think Arkansas can keep up like as good as the offense was early. Like they're just, they're not scoring what they were. Mm-hmm. And I think Bama is, is playing well. Um, and I, I just, I don't think Arkansas can hang if, if, if that makes sense.
1: No, I agree. Um, I mean, we just saw Arkansas struggle on the road to beat a very hapless LSU team last week, and they had to go to overtime in order to do it. Um, And we saw what happened in Arkansas when they went to Georgia. (laughs) They got absolutely not great. Um, um, Other one, a game kind of in the group of five, uh, kind of a sneaky uh, game for Cincinnati. They play SMU this week. I think this is the best team that they have probably played since Notre Dame. Um, we were just talking about Sonny Dykes potentially, maybe moving on to TCU. Um, but this is an offense that can really challenge a, a defense that has looked leaky, I think, for Cincinnati the last few weeks. Even USF was able to put 28 points um, on them last week. Um, potentially, uh, but yeah, a potential game wrecker. But who knows? Maybe this is finally the game that Cincinnati finally wakes up and just cruises to a victory um, against a good opponent.
0: I, I, I would probably have the opposite take. I, I think kind of, kind of what we saw with Oklahoma, right. Where eventually like you, you're just going to get beat. You can't keep playing with fire. And since he is been playing with fire the last couple of weeks, they did not look good against Navy, did not look good against Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Um, the line is 11 and a half. Since um, he didn't cover their last line last week, I, I forget who they played. I, I, sh- I should have, uh, let's see. Um, since he played oh, i don't have it in front of me regardless um it just hasn't been they just haven't been firing on cylinders and I, I think this could be the week that they get got i think this yeah. could be the week that they get beat i don't you know i, I don't know what sunny dykes is his future is at smu i don't know if, if he's if he's one foot in one foot out but this is a game i could i could see going going to smu i think it'll be interesting um because this is kind of a bigger name for Cincy to like yeah. if Cincy wins 52 to 10 like that's a statement win not that yeah. that gets them in the top 4 um but there's also by the way Lucas a good chance that one of Oregon or Ohio State loses
1: loses this week like yeah, or so it loses th- in the next couple weeks.
0: there 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 is a a chance that one of those or both of those teams lose and technically Alabama also plays a ranked team i don't think they're in really much danger and and I, you know, forgive me. I'm, I'm not really going to pick, uh, Georgia to lose to Charleston Southern this week. I think <laughs> they're going to be okay. Um, but this could, again, like could be a big week for Cincinnati. If they look good, if they blow the doors off SMU, like that maybe gets them in the top four. If you get one or two yeah, of those man. teams above them losing.
1: I agree. Especially with, uh, yeah. Houston coming back, um, for the, uh, AAC championship game. Um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise um, I think those are really kind of the, the top headliners for the week. Um, should we yeah.
0: I, um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say about, about wake, just touching on them. Like I would love to see wake be Clemson and Clemson. I, 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 I can't see it happening until it happens. Like it's one of those games, like it's going to be an insane game. Like it's probably gonna be like 38, 35 and wake has the ball with 40 seconds left and, and, I, I just, it's hard for me to see it. Wake has to win, I believe, one of these next two at Clemson and at BC mm-hmm. to make the ACC title game. I just got a bad feeling that's not going to happen. I just got a bad feeling Wake's going to stumble and, and finish 9-3, which which would be a great year for Wake and a great yeah. year for Clawson. But I, I just have a weird pit in my stomach that, like, Clemson wins the Atlantic and, and uh, beats Pitt and Clemson's the ACC champion, but... I would love to see a pit Wake Forest. I mean, pit Wake Forest would be such a fun ACC title game. Oh,
1: my God. Kenny Heisman, over, Sam Hartman. It would the over be in that I mean, It had to be in the 80s, right?
0: Yeah. It had to be in the 80s, like 81, 82. Like it'd be, it, would, it would be awesome.
1: Yeah, it would be. A That'll
0: game. be interesting. Wake and Clemson at 10 a.m. Also, just kind of thought it was weird that Ohio State, Michigan State's a noon Eastern kickoff on ABC. Yeah, it's not even like, on Fox. Very, very strange that they didn't. I'm kind of happy that they picked Oregon and Utah for the, the big eight thirty game, but thought it was that that was strange. Um, all right, you ready to get into some picks before we head out of here? Uh yeah. All right. Um another losing week for the syndicate. It's been back to back losing weeks. We were barely under five hundred last week. We'll go over last week's scorecard here. Uh I did have a winning week. I was the only one of us to have a winning week. Under half in LSU Arkansas, never a doubt. That was a win. Over sixty six and a half in Wake UNC, uh, Wake North Carolina State, also never a doubt. My loss was a bit of a bad beat. UNC plus six and a half. Um,
1: yep, I had that one
0: too. Game goes to overtime. Well, first of all, Pitts up seventeen. Net them. We're like, all right, goodbye. Turn it off. It's over. And then UNC is down by seven. They take. They send it to overtime or three, and they t- three down t- by three. three
1: yeah, and
0: down by three, and they send it to overtime. And I remember thinking, I'm like, man. Pitt's gonna score a touchdown and then and then UNC's not gonna not gonna score anything, right? And it's like, yep, that's exactly that's how it exactly happened. So lost uh, my my upset pick there. Patrick went one and two. Uh victory he had Michigan plus one and a half. That was a win. Ole Miss plus two and a half was a loss, and then ASU minus five and a half. Bit of a bad beat for Patty. Oh, okay. They go up eleven. And then uh, Washington kind of backdoors uh, at 35-30, the final there. So ASU does not cover by a half point. Lucas, and one and two week for you as well. You had Arkansas minus two and a half. They win by three. That is a win for you. The losses was the under 58 and a half in Iowa State, Texas Tech. Never a doubt. And Purdue plus 20 and a half as well. Uh, All right. So Patty sent his picks in. I will pick for him. Let's start with our upset pick of the week. Um, we both kind of hinted at it already. Patrick and I are both going with Michigan State plus 19 and a half. Just think it's too many points. Um, I, I think Michigan State loses, but I don't think they're three touchdowns worse than Ohio State. I think Ohio yep. State has some vulnerabilities. I don't think they're the juggernaut that Georgia or Alabama is or the juggernaut that they've been in the past. So I'm going to take Michigan State on the road plus 19 and a half. And Patrick is with me also on this part of this. Lucas.
1: Um, so I'm staying in the big 10. Um, I kind of, we kind of talked about this before the pod, but uh, Rutgers, I am taking plus 17 and a half at Penn state. Um, nothing about Penn state right now uh, shows me that they could beat um, a, a decent uh, Rutgers team by more than three touchdowns. Uh, Rutgers has a pretty, as a, as a solid defense, and Penn State can't run the football they're very one-dimensional Sean Clifford I'm still shocked he's still playing um I mean he is just give the guy credit he's tough because he has just gotten beaten up this year um but I think Rutgers is the game they could potentially go to a bowl they're five and five this year that would be an incredible story for Greg Schiano. they have two I think next week they have a very winnable game against Maryland but I'll take Rutgers just cuz I think they're tough, they're scrappy. Um, and right now I just don't like I just don't like Penn State's offense really that they're going to score that many points.
0: Yeah, um, I had Rutgers plus 7 just as a, a bet last week and they really spanked Indiana like yes. quite, quite a bit. So I uh, I think you're on the right track. The other one that I liked um which is actually Patrick's pick, um I liked Maryland plus 14 and a half. I think this could be a look ahead game for Michigan on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I think again, Michigan probably wins, but that was a game I contemplated as well. I actually already bet that. Um, so Patrick is actually taking the Wolverines minus 14 and a half Mm -hmm. as his pick. I am taking, and, and, you know, listen, Lucas, we both have these wells that we can't stay away from for you. It's Illinois. (laughs) And for me, it's, it's Arizona state. Um, I am, I'm not taking a side here for the first time. I am taking the total. I'm going under 59 and a half in ASU, Oregon State. I think this is going to be a late game. That's going to be low scoring. I think ASU is going to try to work the clock. Rashad White's really been the only thing that has kept ASU going the last couple of weeks. And I don't think Oregon State's a terribly explosive offense. So I will take uh, the under 59 and a half in Oregon State and Arizona State. So Lucas, your pick of the week is? It
1: is. I'm also doing a team
0: total. I'm doing
1: over 67 and a half for Michigan State, Ohio State. Kind of teased that there. Um, we were kind of previewing that game. I think this would be a very high-scoring game. Um, both teams are susceptible. Uh, Ohio State is susceptible to giving up big plays on the ground. Michigan State is susceptible to giving up big plays through the air. Um, so I think there's going to be a lot of explosive plays. And I could see this being you know, a 45-28, 45-31 type game. So I am going to take the over 67 and a half Michigan state, Ohio state.
0: I like that. I could, I, I easily see each team getting 30 and uh, at that point you're, you're getting pretty close. So, um, all right, Patrick for his lock of the week is locking up Ole miss minus 36 and a half against Vanderbilt to slap in the face of Vanderbilt. Our, 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 our Vandy boys, that we oh. went to and see in Nashville. It's a slap in the face.
1: It's a protected rivalry game, too. You know, Brutal. everything happens. Crazy stuff happens in protected rivalry games.
0: Shout out to Ole Miss that got to play Vanderbilt every Vanderbilt. year as their as their cross-divisional game. Just <laughs> That's probably going to end, I'm guessing, when when Texas and Oklahoma come in and then yeah. maybe they shift to the pods or redo the divisions, but good for Ole Miss while it lasts. Um, I just always like the anxiety for me in laying that number is just – Like I had to lay 38 with Georgia a couple weeks ago and it's, it's just terrifying. Um, (laughs) My lock of the week. I kind of had a hard time picking a lock. I'm going to go Baylor who is, I believe a a half point favorite or dog. I think it's their half point dog against Kansas state. Basically a a pick them. I I think Baylor, I'm not going to say they're going to dominate Kansas state, but I, I do think Aranda has that team playing well. They have a lot to play for. They're still very much in the big 12 title race. Like, you you really need to not lose to Kansas State, even though that team's playing really good football. They just beat West Virginia this week on the road. So, but I, I think Baylor gets it done, probably between like three and seven points. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Baylor as my lock of the week over Kansas State. Lucas
1: lock of the week, kind of uh, going degenerate here, but uh, I'm gonna take East Carolina minus three and a half over Navy largely mike houston has east carolina they're one win away i think they are one win away from going to a bowl or they might have clinched bowl eligibility actually they clinched bowl eligibility last week against memphis for the first time since uh ruffy mcneil was their head coach um and i just don't think navy is very good um so i'm gonna take uh, east carolina minus three and a half at navy
0: Nice. So, just to recap for everyone, our picks under fifty nine and a half in ASU Oregon State for me. Patrick has Michigan minus fourteen and a half. Lucas the over sixty seven and a half in Michigan State Ohio State. Our locks of the week. I have Baylor plus half a point at Kansas State. Lucas has old, or uh, Lucas has East Carolina minus three and a half against Navy. I actually like that a lot, Lucas. I don't think Navy's very good. Uh, Ole Miss minus 36.5 for Patrick against Vandy. Upsets, Patrick and I are taking Michigan State plus 19.5. And And Lucas goes with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at 17.5. Lucas, any parting thoughts for the listeners here as we get ready for week 12 of college football?
1: Yeah, no, it's getting exciting. We only have, it's crazy, we only have two weeks left in the regular season uh for college football don't take it for granted enjoy it um and this should be a really good slate of games this week i'm really excited uh to uh to watch it all and take it in after i run a a half marathon on saturday so yeah good luck
0: with that buddy good luck
1: be able to fully uh fully enjoy it i actually have a a buddy i went to uw with that's actually going to be running in the 5k um is coming down to visit from chicago so uh should be a good weekend overall how about you any party thoughts for us
0: no, um, like you said, it's it's well, it's I said no, and then I'm going to talk. But um, it is weird to think about. We have two more full weekends of college football that. That that's a really tough, harsh reality that I wish you hadn't opened my eyes. To, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, alas. So uh, I think it's going to be another good week. Um, and then really Thanksgiving weekend is maybe my favorite weekend of the year. Um, I love Thanksgiving. And then you get big games on Friday. You get big games on Saturday. Like, especially this year, there's a lot of weird, cool um, conference championship implications. So this week kind of sets that up. Like, if Ohio State and Michigan both win per chance, like, you could have two of the top four teams in the country play next week. So that could be a thing. Um, But anyway, that's how we'll wrap up. Patrick will be back next week. Hopefully we'll be back to our normal schedule on Mondays. Uh, for Lucas Rohde, I'm Ryan Bappel. Lucas, have a great night and uh, stay frosty.